This is Living Catholic with Father Don Wolf. Living Catholic is a fresh look at issues confronting each of us today. This show deals with living Catholic, what that means for Catholics, as well as the impact on the rest of society. You certainly don't have to be Catholic to enjoy this show. And now your host, Father Wolf. Welcome, Oklahoma, to another edition of Living Catholic. I'm Father Don Wolf, pastor at St. Eugene Parish in Oklahoma City. I have a third question. We've talked, are there many people in heaven? Are there many people in hell? Now, here's a question for you. Are there many people in purgatory? That's a question most people don't consider. Well, actually, the big question is, what is purgatory and why do we talk about it? The scenery most of us understand about the life after life is heaven or hell. And most of the time, we don't have space for the distance between the two or really the space for talking about the struggle of achieving heaven. And oddly enough, in our religious environment where we're encouraged to imagine that purgatory is not part of the religious landscape, we now have a thriving notion of some alternative thing. In fact, I'm always amazed at the people who mention reincarnation. It seems like in the stories that we have, we don't have something adequate enough to human experience. And that's where the, that's when the story about purgatory is no longer present. People find another story to take its place. So that goes to show that purgatory is a necessary part of what we need if we're to make sense out of what we say about heaven and hell. It's written into the human understanding of how we make sense of our lives. So we need to understand it as it is. So hold on for a minute and give me a chance to talk about what this really means. It's a doctrine of the church, and we can talk about the nature of doctrine in in, in the future. But I want everybody to understand how doctrine fits into the contours of our humanity rather than just being a kind of brute fact that we're supposed to believe in order to be faithful. You see, most of the time we imagine these facts of the faith are just – out there, and we have to pick up and hold on to them no matter how hard or contrary they seem to be to our lives. But it's really um, not that way at all. It's the, the, the doctrine of purgatory is one that informs our lives and the truth of our lives. So the, the big question is this, are there many souls in purgatory? But the, 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 the question under that is, what's really going on? And why do we talk about that and why do Catholics sound so weird when they do? Why do we sound so weird when we do? But this is a couple of – there's a couple of key factors here. The first is that the notion of purgatory comes from our understanding of what it means to be a human being. That's all it is, what our humanity is like and what heaven is like. So the first part of purgatory is knowing what it is. It comes from the word purgation, which – is a word meaning to be cleansed. Purgatory is the place where we're cleansed, where we are made ready to enter into heaven. And because it's a preparation for heaven, purgatory is a place of ultimate hope. Everyone who experiences the purgation there is on his or her way to heaven. Rather than being somehow incomplete or some interruption in the promise of heaven, purgatory is part of the road To heaven. So, why do we need an intermediate stop? Why would God put a roadblock on our way to heaven? Because it's not a roadblock, it's simply the way station. As I said before, purgatory is is part of what it means for a human being to receive good news and to go to heaven. It's simply the way 
we get there. That's all it is. Let me say that again. Purgation and how it takes place is the way we get to heaven. I know we don't normally hear things like that, so let me try to place it in context with the most important things that we know about going to heaven. Number one, heaven is a gift. We go to heaven because the way has been opened by Christ. If just left to ourselves, we would lose our way. Remember Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They hear God in the garden and they run and hide in the shadows. When God doesn't hear them, he calls out to Adam, where are you? The most important sentence in all the Old Testament, God is in search of us because we're hiding in in the shadows. If just left to ourselves, it's where we remain. Our lives go off the rails and then we get lost. In fact, we get so lost, we'd even know that we're lost. Without God's initiative to come looking for us, we wouldn't know that there is a pathway to heaven, much less find it. So God sends his only son to us, and he sends his son to us to open the way to heaven. We think it's a matter of getting and having, a matter of learning a secret formula or adopting a particular lifestyle. Jesus says it's a matter of abandoning our lives for another kind of life. As he said to the rich young man in Mark and Matthew's gospel, go sell all you have, give to the poor, then you have treasure in heaven, then come and follow me. The way to heaven isn't about getting something in our lives. It's about abandoning the shadows of our lives and living as Christ lived. It's eventually about dying as Christ died, depending only on the goodness of God in our lives. That's the way to heaven. It's a gift. Now, the second thing is that we don't know how to make use of our gifts. It takes us a while to know what to do with the gifts that we have received. I've used this image before, but but we get the gifts of our lives like a child gets a carpenter's square. Since it's a gift that doesn't readily explain itself, the child can misuse it as he uses it. The square could be used for a crutch or a prop or a sword or a knife or a pry bar or, or a shovel. But without some help, this fascinating bit of wisdom and technology becomes just an odd bit of metal in a world full of odd bits. So by the time a person might know how to use the gift, it could well be so broken or bent or sprung or scratched that it could never be available for what it was made for. So just having a gift is no guarantee that we're ready to use it or that it will be something good for us. So we don't know how to make use of the gifts we have. Number three, we need help in knowing what to do. There's no automatic human reset button. That's what salvation is. We can't make it to heaven on our own. On our own, we just mess things up, lose our way, stumble around. If we don't have the help we need, then we're not equipped to go forward in life. That's what it means to be the product of original sin. As G.K. Chesterton said, it's the one theological doctrine you can prove by looking at the morning paper. Or, I might add, you can prove it by looking into the mirror. We we don't know what to do with the gifts we have. We need some additional help. And number four, often we're so lost that we resist the help that we're given. It's not just that we don't know how to make use of the help. We often push it away just because it is help. We really are that messed up. We have this energy in us that keeps us from being whole, that 
pushes away what's going to provide us with what we need. And all of those things just describe what it's like to be a human being. It doesn't mean that we're especially awful. It just means that we're like regular human beings who mess things up when they should clean things up. Now, since all those things are true, what the difficult experience of accepting God's forgiveness and God's love is simply a part of what it means to be human. Purgatory is simply the result of having a hard time accepting what God gives and how God loves. Hear that again. Purgatory is simply the experience of what it's like to experience God's love and God's goodness in our lives. Any one of us who knows what it's like to be loved, to what it's like to be truly forgiven, know how hard it is to accept it. That's all purgatory is. How hard it is to accept authentic forgiveness, authentic love, and authentic truth in our lives. We'll go into that a little more deeply. We'll be back in just a moment. I'd like to mention our premier sponsor, Kathy Busson at McLaren's Pantry. Call her for your catering needs at 3414 South Boulevard in Edmond. Her number is 348-2336. Welcome back, Oklahoma, to Living Catholic. Father Don Wolf, pastor at St. Eugene's in Oklahoma City. We're talking about that odd religious fact called purgatory. Anybody who knows what it's like to be loved, what it's like to be truly forgiven, knows how hard it is to accept the truth of love and the truth of forgiveness in our lives. That's what purgatory is. It's not a place where we're sent in order to pass some time before we go to heaven. It's not a place that God boots us over to in order to rough us up a little bit so that we'll really enjoy heaven when we get there. Purgatory is the experience of what it takes to actually receive the gift we've been given. Now imagine this. Just imagine that we've spent our lives messing our lives up. It's not hard to imagine. Most of us have had that experience. And at the end of life, we, we, we encounter the, 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 the truth that we, that we truly need help. We call out to God in God's goodness to ask for forgiveness and hope in the name of Christ, who is the, the image of forgiveness and hope, who forgives even his persecutors on the cross. So we have this experience that the fullness of God's love and truth lies in front of us. And as we die, we close our eyes on this world, and what we open them onto is the truth of our lives. From that perspective, we could see our life as it really has been. There's no truth held back from us. We're not limited in seeing just the sights that lie before us. Every moment, every memory is present to us, and all of the truth And we see the depth of its truth and we see the depth of how devastating our betrayals and selfishness and smallness really have been. We see the truth of how we lived and how we've hurt other people. It's all right there in front of us with piercing accuracy. And we see the truth of how we're forgiven. God doesn't hold anything back from us. His desire to forgive is greater even than our capacity to know what to ask for. So as we become aware of all the devastating truths of our lives, 
we also begin to understand how comprehensive God's forgiveness is. That's the drama of what it means to be forgiven. And it's painful. The pain is intense precisely because we encounter the truth of being forgiven. God doesn't spare us what we did just as we're not spared God's love. And it's hard. It's hard to know what our lives are and what we've done with them. It's hard to know that we could have done so much more but did nothing. It's hard to know that we were loved so greatly and returned love so little. Many of the saints have described the depth of this encounter as as a deep, searing light, a burning pain. It's the power of love moving the depths of our lives. That's purgatory. It exists not because of God, but because of us. It's the human truth of our lives as we steadily enter the fullness of God. God doesn't condemn us to it. It's the product of our humanity, the difficulty of coming to know and to coming to, and coming to embrace, of coming to accept. It's simply the pain of accepting what it's like to be truly loved, truly forgiven, and truly one. You know, the folks who go through the 12-step process to come to terms with and to be, to, to be set free from the effects of their addictions, the 12-step process is the, what it takes to come to, to awareness of the truth of life, the truth of, of what freedom and forgiveness is, and what it takes to rebuild a person, a personality based on accepting this. You know, the 12 steps is about rebuilding a person's life. That's – and, it, and it's full of exactly that kind of pain, knowing the depth of what our lives, distorted by addiction, have really amounted to and then knowing that our lives can be rebuilt with the help of this higher power that has given us life. But as everyone knows, none of that is easy. That's purgatory. Now, we often describe purgatory as a place we go to, and that's fine. And since we're, so- we're talking about souls and spirits, the whole notion of a place is mostly a metaphor. After all, what does space and place mean to something that's purely spirit, that's not bound by place or space? And what does time really mean to, to a reality that has no extension? But we know what the metaphor of place means. Have you ever had a friend who was depressed and who, say, spent six months suffering from some deep depression? Have you ever heard anyone say, talking about, say, a friend like that, he was in a really bad place for a long time? You know, it wasn't really a place. And yet we all know exactly what that person is talking about, that sense of being overwhelmed, that sense of being trapped by, that sense of finding a way out of this experience, that, that, that an experience that was bounded and, and, and held. It really did feel like, it really was experienced as if a kind of difficult place. Again, it's just because at death, we continue to be ourselves, continue to be human even after we stop breathing. And because we continue to be human, we continue to encounter and accept the power of love and forgiveness in just our human way. It 
ain't easy. That's why purgatory is a place of absolute and unconditional hope because when we enter into the comprehensive, uh, unlimited nature of God's love, we also enter into the truth of ourselves, which is difficult to come to terms with. Now, now, say we're Mother Teresa and we've spent an entire lifetime giving ourselves over to the truth of God's love, of surrendering ourselves to the offer of Christ and Christ's sacrifice in our lives. And we've come – we spent a lifetime confessing the truth of our lives and its limitations and its sin and sinfulness. Now, when we see the, the, the unlimited, the unbounded nature of God's love at death, somebody like Mother Teresa, what, what it costs, what it feels like, what, it, what the experience of coming to terms with that would be is something a lot less than someone who has not spent a lifetime coming to terms with these truths in his or her life. That experience will be vastly more overwhelming and certainly, because we know how we are, more painful. It's, it's, it's wonderful experience of painfulness, but it doesn't mean it's less painful. I only make the point that this experience is an, is an experience of the continuation of the human experience of receiving God's love. That's all purgatory is about, how to receive God's love. Maybe the novelist and commentator C.S. Lewis can help us out. Again, I mentioned last week his wonderful little novel called The Great Divorce. The Great Divor- Divorce is the great gulf between heaven and hell. And in the novel, there's a bus that leaves hell every day and then goes to heaven. It's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an allegory. Anybody who gets off the bus can stay in heaven. They just have to want to. And the drama of the novel is that no one really wants to unless they're willing to put up with how difficult it is to live in heaven. They all come from hell, which is dark and solitary and soft. Heaven is bright and sharp and real, full of brilliant creatures that are present all the time. It takes a lot to learn how to be there, and learning isn't easy. You see, that's the clever part. Purgatory is simply learning how to stay in heaven. That's all. Learning how to be there. There's one particular part I really love. A young man gets off the bus and is invited to leave the bus station and head toward the high mountains where all the really great beauty awaits. But as he gets off the bus, he carries on his shoulder a small green dragon. And every time he looks toward the mountain, the dragon whispers in his ear that he really can't make it. You're too weak. The little voice says, you've always failed no matter how hard you've tried. There's no point even in thinking about going there. You know how you are. The weakness of the flesh is just too much for you, this little voice whispering in his ear. At that point, just like that voice has whispered in his ear his whole life, he's just defeated by imagining that he's always, always, always failed. You see, he has the entire promise of heaven lying in front of him. All he has to do is just want to go there. But this little voice keeps keeps uh, whispering to him that it just he just can't do it. It's it's too bad. It's too bad he's so weak. It's too bad he's just uh, a failure, and uh, he just can't do. He he just can't get used to the idea of heaven. 
But finally, with one great act of will, he brushes the dragon off of his shoulder and it falls to the ground. Then the dragon turns into this great white horse. The, the man then jumps on the horse and it carries, his, carries him to the mountains at great speed. It's the, what the great spiritual masters have always called the, uh, the, the, the temptations of the flesh. The, the, once they're overcome, they carry us toward the promise of heaven. It's a parable about habits and vices and their power. But, but this, this character has to endure the pain of what he's done and how weak he's been. That's if you, if you want to say the purgatory that he experiences. C.S. Lewis also had another admonition. He said that purgation is like taking a bath before we enter into a great hall. He said if we were summoned to visit the queen while we were out slopping the pigs, we would insist that we have the chance to stop off and, and take a bath. It wouldn't be the requirement of someone else. It would be our option. So purgatory, and in his opinion, in Lewis's opinion, is that it's our option to be cleansed. Purgatory is just the gift of what it is to be human. It's what it means to receive the gift of pure love and total forgiveness. It's the searing, burning truth of love beyond all measure. Are there many people in purgatory? Well, there's exactly as many as there are in heaven because to receive the gift of heaven is to receive it in all the searing, burning truth that love is in our lives. It's our sincerest hope, the sincerest hope of every saint, that there are billions, untold multitudes of souls who, when seeing the light, continue to move toward it, no matter how painful or how difficult it might be, or at whatever moment in their life they come to know it. It's not the fear of pain. It's the promise of the light and the totality of the forgiveness and the, and the piercing greatness of the light that is the great promise, the promise that we all move toward. Back in just a moment. Welcome back, Oklahoma, to Living Catholic. We've come to our last segment. I hope you remember our premier sponsor, Kathy Busson at McLaren's Pantry. Give her a call at 348-2336. We have a poem today for our faith in verse, a little one called A Hundred Years Ago. It was a hundred years ago war broke out. My grandmother was 16, her horizons shattered by the death of her father. No doubt she wondered what would happen to her life. Just as four million men left home and crawled toward one another to kill and to conquer, numbers in history make little tragedies pale and a man's death seem meaningless unless it's your tragedy or a death you know. Each one who breathes his last on a scarred battlefield or a scarce bedroom ends a world and tugs the blanket covering each of us the thunder of battle or the rattle of tired lungs, they change the world, the little and the great. Unless a hundred years makes all men mortal and all promises temporary. But the blanket, tugged and placed, 
if it does not cover, does not warm. Like each life, pulled away from life is not enough if too short or too fast. A hundred years ago, when my grandmother was 16. That's the poem, A Hundred Years Ago. We're here at this station at this time every week. Hope you can join us. We have our continuing meditation of what it means to believe, to embrace, to accept, and to hope in the overwhelming power of what God has given us in the truth and the certainty of his church and his life. Living Catholic. Hope to see you there. Living Catholic is a production of Blue Cardinal Concepts, copyright 2014.